crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, a.k.a. the Node Defender, is joining us and somebody who needs no introduction on our channel. We've seen him on the Bearable Bull. He's done tons of decodes with our group before. We've got Waters Above Crypto joining us, so I'm super excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Flare is being integrated with Google Cloud, allowing smart contracts to be seamlessly compatible with Layer 1 blockchains as the IMF director is warning of CBDC consequences for retail investors, confirming over 100 developing projects today. As American banks collapse before our eyes, crypto is having a max exodus from the United States, with Michael Saylor announcing today that his company is being forced to sell Bitcoin in order to cover expenses. Ripple versus the SEC court could be receiving a ruling any day now, and with the global payment system upgrading before our eyes, we break down the details, asking our special guest what dates and times he's anticipating to be most impactful during the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, Wednesdays are always exciting when we have a special guest, but to have Waters in the building, I know it's going to be an amazing episode. But first of all, how you feeling, my friend? And thanks for being here. Abs, I'm feeling great. Great to see Mario's face as well. I am so excited that Waters is here today. I actually remember to actually mute my phone. See, that's how excited I am. I don't want to miss anything this man has to say. But let me just start out like we always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys for showing up every single day. Let's hop into it, boys. We got the Node Defender joining us as well. And Mario, I have to make the joke. We're not going to ask you to defend Nodes today, but I'm very excited to have you on the show. How you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. I'm feeling blessed, man. I'm feeling grateful. I'm super happy to be here. Hello to everybody. Uh, sending everybody love. You know, I'm uh, grateful to be here with Jordan. Grateful to be here with the founder of Fun, who has muted his phone for the first time since I can remember. And obviously you, Abs, and everybody in the chat. Waters, I know it's a big deal. It may not seem like a big deal to you, but the fact that Johnny muted his phone, it's going to be an amazing episode. But before we get started, <laughs> thank you for being here. And how are you feeling? Um. Really happy to be here with you guys. I'm feeling great, feeling better every day. Thank you. Appreciate you. And uh, let's do it. Amazing, guys. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 3,900 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is sitting in greed, Johnny, at a 64 this morning. And when we check out some of the daily movers, basically right across the board, we got STX up 11%, HEX up 8%, and RPL up 7% on the day. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.16 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 47% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 28,200. Ethereum, 1850. XRP is 45 cents. Cardano is 38 cents. And one of our favorites, Quant Network, is sitting at 111 this morning. And Jordan, sorry, Waters, before we even start the show, I'd, <laughs> we got 276 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And I promise that is the only time I'm going to let it slip throughout the episode. But Waters, I'd love to just broadly get some questions from you uh, when it comes to dates and times throughout the market. We've been talking about 420 and May 5th for quite a while. And this Friday, it is going to be May 5th. So what are you anticipating for that date in particular? And what other dates stick out to you? Um, well, the date of May 5th and 
into the sixth is very significant because it's a lunar eclipse. And in my work, I've been revealing for a while now how these eclipses tend to play pivot points in the market, specifically the crypto market. It seems to be that they're very effective when it comes to crypto. And I have identified the reason why. It's because crypto trades 24-7, 365, because it takes no days off. It has no breaks, no holidays. It, it likes to kind of work closer to these lunar phases, if you will. So I've been able to, you know, kind of look at the market in regards to big volatile moves based off of these eclipse cycles. And as of April 20th, we moved into a solar cycle in the market, which happens about every two years. We move from solar to lunar phase. And if you go back to May of 2021, which was the end of the alt season is when we moved into a lunar phase. And during lunar phases, we are in bear markets in the cryptocurrency market. Uh, and we flipped into the solar cycle as of April 20th, and we'll be there till sometime about March of 2025. And during solar cycles, we're in a bullish phase for the market. You could see every single bull, uh, bull run for crypto has been during those phases. Uh, another thing is ultimately, we don't have a whole lot of data to work with, with what I'm saying. We only have about 13 years of chart history for Bitcoin. Most of these altcoins, we barely have any time to analyze, but thus far it's been working out pretty nicely. Um, so yeah, this is like kind of a time frame to anticipate over the next year or so we should remain in an uptrend for Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin remains in an uptrend, uh, that doesn't mean necessarily that altcoins can't go lower comparatively to the end of last year, or perhaps even you saw like Ethereum go down to its lows in June, July timeframe. Uh, we could still see altcoins, you know, get a little bit weird when it comes to Bitcoin dominance being so high like it is right now. But ultimately, an uptrend should be what we anticipate moving into the year of 2024, the year of 2020. Uh, and the Time frame, I, I guess, to anticipate the market to get bullish again might take some time. Uh, it might take until like December. But for now, since we've entered this phase, it's actually good, you know, because it's kind of prime prime buying opportunities. And I think we'll we'll be seeing this general energy for for maybe about six, seven more months. I'd love to talk about XRP specifically. There were rumors this week that on May 8th, the SEC was going to be meeting with Ripple during an undisclosed private meeting. Little did we know, or well, we called it out, fake rumors in the, in the media once again, especially from the XRP community. If the SEC and Ripple were going to meet for a settlement, they wouldn't leak it to the general public. There's absolutely no benefit to that. And it's something that we've been talking about on our channel. But when you look at the price chart in particular, Waters, we did something really interesting on the monthly chart, if I can pull it up here. One of the things that we've been watching, we love the larger timeframes, and we've learned a lot from you in particular. But the first thing that we saw on this monthly timeframe is we're getting a close. We closed at this 47 cent range right above these previous highs. So it is. it seems mm -hmm. that we're using this as a level of support. I'd love to hear what you see when you look at the XRP price chart. People are saying May could be exciting. Do you agree? Yes. Um, I think May into perhaps the 19th, 20th, 22nd of the month could actually be pretty, pretty solid. And uh, into early June could be pretty solid as well. Um, and what you just showed, that backtest of prior resistance, which is now potentially uh, being backtested to conf confirm a support. We can't really make that call just yet, but these, um, this kind of pattern that you're looking at is a W pattern. And uh, these Ws tend to break bullish. And you can measure off of the candle closures at the neckline and uh, swing it down to the candle closures at the bottom. And that could give you somewhat of a range after you move that measured move up to the neckline. Uh, I would 
based off of what I've done in my personal analysis, I think that brings you somewhere into 80 cents. So if that was to uh, fulfill itself, it would be about 81, 83 cent XRP on that bullish breakout. Uh, and that would be invalidated if you were to make another lower low on like the monthly. But that would <laughs> that would take uh, quite a drawdown for XRP at this at this point. Do you think we'll need a catalyst to get there? Or is the price chart showing that momentum, even if we don't get news regarding the lawsuit? Well, you know, XRP tends to have these really dramatic breakouts quite randomly. Um, and I don't think you need the lawsuit stuff coming to fruition for an 80 cent XRP. I mean, that's really not that much. So this could just be based on Bitcoin taking another leg higher, getting into 33, 34,000. I mean, I would like to see about 40,000 to really anticipate an 80 cent XRP. But needless to say, uh, no, you don't need anything going on with the SEC case to create that type of move it's such a little move and it's in the middle of a horizontal trading range that's been going on for five years i mean when the sec case is over we you would anticipate much much bigger uh moves and a lot more volume kicking in as well uh we can go to 80 cents with very little volume <laughs> that's what's funny about xrp right now um, hope that answers the question that definitely answers the question. And there's another chart analyst that I like to follow. I'm not going to say he's as good as you, Waters, but he puts out some really good content. He said, looking at the weekly price chart for XRP, when we see January's 2023 low held, I expect XRP to hit at least $6.21 once it breaks that $1.90 high. Now, now that I've read that in full, I do not agree with that price target. I think it's far too high. But before we move on, Waters, I'd like to get some of the higher price targets that you're anticipating Let's say we get past that 80 cent range and we start to break into new new discovery ranges above the dollar 90. Is there anything that sticks out to you where you would consider taking profit? That's a really good question. I mean, to be completely honest, XRP has thin air above like 160. Um, I know that there's a monthly uh, close at about 195 going back to 2017 into that like prior or the current all time high of $3.30. Um, but actually, if I, I could see about a six to seven dollar XRP being one of the first dramatic moves in price discovery, but um, if I had to call out my targets, which <laughs> are never sexy, like they're never good enough, uh, it seems to be what the XRP community like they they don't like me when I start talking about what I see regarding price discovery. But needless to say, um, my first price target I would anticipate is about five dollars and thirty three cents uh, if it was to break three dollars and thirty cents. And I don't see that happening actually for some time. It's probably going to take until I would say October, November of twenty twenty four into January, February twenty twenty five. And then uh, it could move from about five dollars and thirty cents to fourteen, fifteen dollars in a single week. You know, because this coin has been trapped sideways for so long. And by then it would be about a six year trading range. Yeah, something like that. So that's more than enough time for this to all play out. And anyone who follows my work, they know that I've been identifying a macro Wyckoff pattern on XRP going back to 2017, the all time high. That would be your buying climax. And then what you saw with the C19 crash where it dumped as low as it went in that chart, I believe it was about six or 11 or 12 cents, something like that. That would be your selling climax. And then those highs that we got in April of 2021, where it almost went to $2, that would be your automatic rally. And what we're in now is kind of determining, are we in an LPS, which is the last point of support, last 
point of supply, or are we going to have a spring? Now, I don't think if we had a spring, it would be the one that you see when you look at generic Wyckoff uh, accumulation examples. I think it would be uh, essentially what we have right now, which is a continuation of higher lows. Um, and that's exactly what XRP has been doing since the SEC lawsuit uh, with Ripple started. Uh, remember where it dumped straight to about 18 cents? That has been holding its trend since that moment because you have the exact uh, 11 cent target on March of 2020 during start of C19. Then you had December 2020, touch of 17 cents at the starting point of that lawsuit. And then into this so-called crypto bear market, June, July of 2022, we held 28 cents. And since then, even in the micro, we've been holding those lower highs. So this is looking really good. And it's looking like a spring uh, that might not be an actual lower low. Uh, any lows at this point are just bear traps. And that's a great buying opportunity. So that's why in the last, uh, at, I believe it was February, yeah, February, March, I started accumulating a little bit more XRP. Uh, because I feel like, you know, it's probably not going to go lower than those lows we got in July of 2022. I, I don't really see it going lower than 28 cents unless something really, really dramatic happened. Absolutely, Waters. We got 444 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny Crypto, I'd love to give you a chance to ask a question, but I just wanted to show Waters this price chart I saw last night. I thought it was very interesting. It's the Bitcoin price chart. And what they did is they took the previous bull run and compared it to what we just went through in 2021. What they're anticipating is that Bitcoin, if it does something similar to what it did last time, could reach as high as $4 trillion in market cap. I think it's a safe estimate to say we are going to reach at least $2 trillion in market cap when it comes to Bitcoin. And so, Waters, before I kick it over to Johnny, how do you believe that would affect the market? And do you think we reach a $2, $3 trillion market cap in the largest project in our market? It's very possible. You know, like, if you pull the fibs on the last um, cycle from the 2017 all-time high down to the 2018 uh, lows... And you keep it on a logarithmic scale with the FIB base log setting turned on. You can see that we stopped out on the 1618, the golden ratio, uh, at 2.8 trillion back in the 2021 November timeframe when Bitcoin hit 69,000. Uh, we almost, I, yeah, we pretty much hit 3 trillion on the nose for a that total market cap. So when you, when you look at Bitcoin in particular, a lot of people are debating whether it's going to continue to drive the market. And I just want to hear from you. Uh, you referred to something where you said Jupiter is XRP, I believe, and Bitcoin is Saturn's coin. Did I get that correct? Mm, that's a really, yeah. So Satoshi is Saturn by the mythologies. And then if you kind of like take it on further, it seems like XRP has a lot of ties to Jupiter, Jupiterian symbolism, uh, based on the fact that, first of all, its logo is an X. And that X symbolism comes back a lot to my work with uh, Jupiter. And uh, we know Elon Musk loves this X in all of his stuff that he's been doing, even with the new uh, uh, acquisition of Twitter and then it becoming X Corp, I believe it's now called. All of this sort of symbolism and everything tied to Elon. And when you take all of that and you decode it, <laughs> esoterically, you're going to see that that X comes back to Jupiterian vibes. 
Um, now, I, this is a little bit deep and it would require me to talk about so many other things, but I can't necessarily say with 100% certainty that XRP is the Jupiter. It might be that Ripple is the Jupiter and it's the child of Jupiter. And then this is how the mythology works. Think of like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. This is Jupiter and uh, Saturn. That's the mythology that we learn. And Jupiter overthrows his father, uh, and then you have, he's the king of the gods now. But Jupiter's children are all shown in symbolism all throughout modern religion, banking. Uh, you know, when it comes to banking and it comes to commerce and it comes to all of that stuff, that's Mercury. Um, and there's even mercurial uh, things showing up in the code with Ripple and XRP. So super fascinating stuff, man. Like, <laughs> to answer your question, it's not as simple as saying, yes, it's a Jupiter coin. Uh, it's a lot more than that. I hope people uh, who are into the esoterica and stuff like that are open-minded to this because it's very helpful and it's helped me a lot on being able to determine some of the highs and lows on XRP. Johnny Crypto, you have any additional questions or I can keep it rolling? No, I got a question. So, so um, Waters, you know, in the past, everybody's kind of looking at the prior bull markets and just saying, okay, this is what they've done. So this is what's going to happen in this one. But a couple of things are different this time around the prior ones. We were in a seven to 10 year uh, constant money spending spree and printing of dollars. So that factor has no longer uh, is effective or is going to be there during this next bull run. That'll be gone. So you won't see uh, the fed turning on the printing presses. And two um, we've never seen, an attack on crypto by the U.S. government like the likes we've seen in this particular time frame. So in 2013, 2017, the SEC wasn't suing and going after and shutting everybody down that had the word crypto in their name or did something. So you have two major effects that have kind of changed now. Um, and so I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are. Do you think literally those two things will have zero effect at all on the next bull run? Or do you think they could impact the bull run and we may not see the typical bull run that everybody's expecting in the next cycle. Again, just your just your thoughts, what you think. Yeah, so to get into it, do we feel like when we call it a standard crypto bull run, this has to deal with Bitcoin going into price discovery and then like after it all it tops out, it rolls over its dominance to the altcoins and then the altcoins have like a cycle a month later. Is that what we're is that what we're all agreeing on is the classic cycle? I just want to know, like, what am I answering here? That's a fair question. I'm thinking more of a lot of times you see a lot of these experts going and looking at the prior bull run and adding a, mm -hmm. a 4.26 extension, Fibonacci yep, yep. extension off of the prior uh, highs and lows of the prior bull run. So, yeah, the question is, do you think it is uh, fair to say that, yes, we can expect the same 4.26 extensions off of the prior born. That's a great, that's a great question. Hopefully that clarifies. Yeah. And it's okay to assume that Bitcoin is going to have diminishing returns as well as diminishing losses. And now we're seeing the same thing with ETH in the last cycle where it didn't go up as much as it did in comparatively to the first cycle. And it didn't lose as much comparatively to the first, like the first cycle from 2018 January down to the lows. I think Ethereum lost 95% of its value. But the, so far on this cycle, it's looking pretty good. I mean, it's lost about, what, 80%? So it's it's proving, and it also bottomed out earlier. It didn't get dragged down into November, December of 2022, like uh, a lot of other coins did. Um, it actually maintained its higher lows. It's, it's becoming a more sophisticated chart. Like as a chart analyst, I look at the ETH chart uh, in logarithmic, and I feel like comparatively to the last cycle, it's clearly matured. 
there's other great examples like Binance token. Now, to answer the question, um, I do feel like certain assets will be fulfilling this four-year cycle kind of concept. And I think that we will have to have some open-mindedness to the idea of, well, I think there's going to be a shitcoin washout uh, potentially before the next cycle comes to fruition. Uh, and I have all these theories that uh, you know I'm I'm kind of prepared to share with the world as to how I feel um, these things are gonna these events are gonna uh, come to fruition. But I've talked about banking failures uh, a really long time ago. I've talked about these concepts and uh, central bank digital currencies and the tokenization of the stock market and how there will need to be some new legislation put in place to create that that uh, type of you know, world to expect um, and how the US and Europe and Australia and all these big first world nations will fit into it. So there's so many other factors besides just those two. And I'm sure you guys are aware of, and I'm sure you even talk about it on your show quite often. Um, but now I'll answer this and keep it super simple right now. Bitcoin will not change its cyclical nature. And as long as Bitcoin continues to do what it does, Ethereum will also. Now, everything else is like on a we really have to be open-minded to everything else. But I would say these ISO 222 coins are now becoming, you know, they're waiting for their day. And once those kind of get the regulatory foundation and, and groundwork put in place and, and, and utilized, then they will have, you know, you'll see it in the price. Um, but we will probably need a shit coin washout in order for that to come to fruition. And, we have to think about a lot of these shit coins are built on well, the ERC-20 tokens, yeah? So I don't want to get too deep into my own theory about this, but I think there's going to be a lot of stuff to come with stable coins, with uh, these speculative altcoins with super low market cap. And uh, we might not have a shit coin market in the next cycle, uh, in late 2024 into 2025. It might not be a thing. It, it, people are probably going to get a little bit more savvy uh, because of the next black swan that's going to come to the whole financial sector, not just crypto, but crypto will be will be touched in how this uh, all plays out. And I, I also think that it'll be an order out of chaos moment where after we have the chaos of whatever that shitcoin market washout is, and perhaps some issues with destabil or let's just say depegging of certain stable coins, then we might have a, a, a change where the regular banks just start accepting crypto payments and you'll see um, probably a, a, a lot more apps come out on, uh, I wouldn't just say social media apps, like what I think Elon Musk is preparing to do with Twitter, but just uh, payment payment um, processing apps like PayPal, uh, Cash App, you name it, right? There's so many of these type of uh, applications. I think we're going to see easier crypto transactions coming to the world stage where people, when they're at restaurants, they could buy things with crypto. They could um, accept crypto a lot easier too. And it will be directly from companies like Visa and MasterCard and American Express. That will be what's to come from the next chaotic moment that happens uh, in the crypto market and in the market in general. Oh, Waters, I got to put you on the spot here. Many of our listeners are asking about Pepe coin and you brought up meme coins and shit coins yourself. I'm not sure what you'd like to categorize this as, but the Pepe token for anybody who doesn't know is a token that was launched on April 18th, had $0 in market cap. Well, people were able to use 50x leverage on this token. And in just the last couple of weeks, Waters, we're at over half a million, sorry, half a billion 
in total market cap with this token. But like you said, these are the meme tokens that people should be avoiding. So I'd just like to get some broader thoughts here. What's happening with this meme coin in particular, Pepe? And what do you really think is going on? You said people aren't going to buy these things. This is bigger than ever. Oh, no, I'm talking about in the next cycle after we have a shitcoin washout. Um, I don't God, know about that. Yeah, as for now, no, it's the wild, wild west. Um, but I got to admit, like, what the fuck is a Pepe? I think it's this meme. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't do my research on it. I think it's this. Like, I am I getting old? Not. Am I turning old or some shit? Like, what the fuck I, is this thing? I think you're just getting smart. I think you're just too smart for these types of tokens. But I don't think you're old yet. Yeah, man, I'm spending too much time like talking with real people doing real things, I guess. But it is unbelievable. Like people are flooding into this token. I actually had some friends yesterday, regular retail investors, like they're not all into the space the way we are. The first question yeah. they had is, where can I buy it? Not should I buy it? Not what do you think of this? Where can I oh, buy yeah. this token on Twitter? Unbelievable. Yeah, well, we'll have a quick fun story for you guys. So back in like when I was just starting to do the YouTube thing, I remember we had that moment where Elon was like on Saturday Night Live talking about Dogecoin and stuff like that. And um, <laughs> I remember going to a grocery store hearing like 40, like probably like middle-aged, middle-aged women. I don't want to like label them or anything. It was just older people. Like it wasn't young, young guns, you know, it wasn't like high school kids. It was just like somebody's mom talking with, talking to somebody else at the grocery store about Shiba Inu. So I walked over to her and I said, hey, have you ever heard of Ethereum? And she said, what's Ethereum? And that shit blew my fucking mind, dude. That blew my mind. I was like, you don't even know what the second most... Like, we are in a very interesting world right now where it's all about, it's all about what's trendy, right? Hasn't that always kind of been the way since the advent of social media? But now it's really getting rough where if you leave your house and like you don't know what Pepe coin, like I don't, I seriously had no fucking idea what that is. If if somebody was talking about this to me, I'd be like, I don't really know. What and I'm, I'm in the crypto space and I don't even know what this stuff is. You know, when did it come out? Is it like really new? It's brand new. Oh, okay. Okay. Damn, so man. You're not old, man. You're just informed. I would say that. But guys, we got 560 live <laughs> listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And water, uh, Waters, I want to tie this video right here to exactly what you just said. Right now, we are seeing regulation unfold before us in the United States, but it's also happening overseas. And this is one of the co-founders of Consensus, a.k.a. the creators of Ethereum. And he's talking about how many of his investors believe that Ethereum might not even be an asset. Here we go. What firm investors or high net worth investors, like how do they view Ether as an asset? Like what do they think that it is? Uh, why do they buy it? Why do they think the price is going to go up? Like what's their justification for buying Ether? Sure. So, so first and foremost, they don't think about Ether as an asset. I would say 99% uh, even to this day uh, do not even know what Ether is. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Floor is yours, <laughs> Yeah, fully proven, bro. Yeah, we're in, we're in like, we're in meme land, baby. Yep, it's the wild, wild west. There's no doubt about it. But one of the things and you know that what I'm this, you know what this does though. This just a quick note. This is why, I, like, in September, October specifically, like, I'm gonna be getting as much ETH as I possibly can, because this next like washout, it's gonna get rid of all of this, this, this mess. You know, it's like we're in a flood. 
and the waters to our like knees and waters above is saying the flood is coming you know <laughs> it's like i'm noah and just just you know get ready because it's going to be real rough and all this pepe coin bullshit it's gone <laughs> plus you want to buy stuff when people still don't know what it is right when people i'm actually happy to hear people say they don't know what eth is once everybody and their mother knows what eth is it's too late to own eth so we still have some time i i think that's kind of the good news out of out of the whole element or you know looking at this thing apps for me it's one of those things where once everybody and their mother has heard about it too late and the meme shit listen it's always going to continue to happen because people want to make a quick buck and that's really what it is. And the reality is few people are going to make something in it. And a lot of people are unfortunately going to get wrecked until eventually, I think, as Waters is saying, something's got to happen with these shit coins. They got to get wiped out or, or the, the SEC will do something to put something in place where maybe it's not so easy to just launch these things and wipe people out because they basically that's what they've been doing is just a few get really rich and a lot of people get wiped out. Yeah, and if I could just add, like that, this this is a sign that the the market is way yet to mature because you know the past year, ever since the Terra Luna collapse, I've been hearing nothing but negativity from people around me as far as like crypto, right? Why invest in crypto when all this stuff is happening? Now all of a sudden, there's a new meme coin in town, and everybody's asking, "Well, how do I buy this Pepe coin?" And I'm like, "Well, we're about Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, Solana, uh, you know, some of these other really good projects out there," and yeah, the, the, the market's yet to mature. And as far as the, the cycles, like, like the, the contrarian thinking part of me can't help but wonder for how long are they going to allow the cycle to repeat itself, being that it's so obvious now. Like we get this halving and then Bitcoin goes on a rampage, sets all-time highs, the altcoin market goes along with it. Um, I feel like it's just be becoming too obvious at this point. So um I wouldn't be surprised if something different happens. And I know that, you know, we're in different economic and uh, circumstances with the printing and inflation and, and all that stuff. But at the same time, we could be at the precipice of, um, you know, adoption or at least some clarity in the United States. So, yeah, just wanted to get that thought out there. Waters, can I get a quick response on that? Do you believe what Mario is saying? These cycles are becoming so predictable that the average retail investor can look and say that we're about to enter a bull market. So do you think that's something that may change in the near future? Well, I think his discernment is spot on. And like, that's the kind of stuff that I talk about people exercising, just exercise the questioning, you know, and don't just go into it thinking that, well, yeah, it's happened before. So it will happen again. You know, that's how you get, that's how the sheep gets led to the slaughter. But you know, in my work, I like to really look at what's driving the cyclical nature of the specific thing that I speak on. And when I watched XRP not hit a new all-time high, and when I watched Stellar Lumens not hit a new all-time high in the last cycle, and I watched a couple of these things happen, whilst I watched Bitcoin go up for a new all-time high, and Ethereum followed specifically to the dates, like the same time frames. And you guys probably remember better than anyone. Remember when I was talking in the bull run how we're going to see 95% losses in this altcoin market across the board? Like you're, every coin you look at, you're going to see it down 95% pretty much. And that's yep. exactly how it went down. So the, the reason I brought that up was to tell people that we're not done yet with this type of typical, you know, bull run madness chaos in in all coins but then followed by a 95 to 99 percent losses rinse repeat 
As for Bitcoin, though, I think that is the one that tends that's going to continue to stick to the cycle because of that solar and lunar phase idea that I brought up earlier. Of course, it's theoretical, but it's fucking pretty damn accurate. I mean, it's insanely accurate. And watching Bitcoin hit its all time high in Q4 of 2021 and then rolling over one year later from all time high and hitting all time or hitting the cycle lows. That was exactly what it did in the 2017-2019 cycle. That's exactly what it did back in the cycle of 2014 into 2015. And then it went on a rally the same fucking time right after those lows. That was how we were able to determine. You know, when Bitcoin was below 20,000, I was out here saying to expect a rally in Bitcoin after it, after it bottoms out. And this type of, you know, behavior in the market it it is predictable. I agree with Mario. It, it not it's predictable. It's that it's seeming that we're catching on, right? It's seeming that oh maybe the maybe the the it's like we're learning how to count the cards <laughs> as a you know at at the at the casino. Um, but I still see all of these isolated um, nuanced things that aren't uh, coming to fruition. Like we're not seeing as bullish um, of, a, of a relief rally recovery in a lot of the altcoins. And we see Bitcoin at 48% right now. And every time it has a 4% drawdown, we're seeing 20, 40, or 20 to 25% drawdowns in some of these altcoins uh, comparatively. So it's like you know, Bitcoin, I think, is going to maintain its position on this cyclical, you know, four year all time highs, four year all time lows, um, rinse, repeat. As for everything else, I think once we have that shitcoin washout of the ERC 20 market and the tokenization of the stock market and ETH gas fees start getting insane, like really, 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 really insane. Um, and a lot of like this NFT stuff starts kind of going not being as trendy like once we just have a full-blown sentiment reset um across the economy across the board of the economy then i think we'll be in a in a place where we'll be able to identify like what's the real players in the game and what's the nonsense and i think ultimately we're going to see the uh investors start to change uh as well but one final thing to say just the last thing to say because we do have the biggest crypto channels on the on the on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, as well as the biggest um, influencers in finance, all talking about Bitcoin and all talking about Ethereum and all talking about XRP. Those are probably the three combined. And that goes for me as well. I talk about those three every week. Well, we're not hearing those same entities talk about things like uh, Doge, Elon, Mars token. Right. Like we're not hearing that we're still hearing like I heard out of Elon's own mouth. Speaking of Elon, I heard out of his own mouth when he was asked about how much Dogecoin uh, he, he had when he was asked about how much Doge, he replied back saying, I have way more Bitcoin. Wow. And that was on that was on an interview that he did. And I think it was with Kathy Woods and like it was like a roundtable of, of a couple of different people. So. These and then you have Michael Saylor, you know, what you brought up earlier. We have all these big players. Kathy Wood is one of them. The guy, uh, Jack Dorsey from X Twitter, he is still like, you know, super Bitcoin bull. A lot of these dudes are Bitcoin and ETH um, bulls. And this is actually a tweet waters from Elon Musk in December of 2020. So this was actually one day before the Ripple lawsuit. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit graphic, but you can you get the you get the gist of it here. Elon Musk is Amazing. trying to live his normal 
life and stay away from Bitcoin, but he just can't avoid it. And while I'm doing this, we got 589 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And that's my sign from the universe, Waters, to get into some XRP content. And yesterday, we actually covered this very interesting article out of JP Morgan, where this was the quote that really stuck out to me. The role of XRP as a bridge asset for international settlement is not competing with stable coins, but on the contrary, it's complementary. And I brought a video that just highlights how XRP can actually enhance stable coins and CBDCs. So I'm going to play this short clip and go back to you here. Here we go. Our focus very much in 2023 is to focus on our core business, which is our RippleNet business, cross-border transactions, making sure that we're moving value cheaper, faster, more reliably, and in a greener fashion uh, across borders using blockchain and digital technology and digital assets. Uh, so we believe that will continue to grow. We're going to continue to focus there. We have a big CBDC efforts, uh, central bank digital currency efforts. Uh, we're talking about that a lot here at Davos. Yeah, uh, we found great interest in some of the smaller uh, central banks around the world that are looking for a strategy, looking for a partner, looking for a technology aside blockchain. Uh, but, but we're in conversations with dozens of central banks around the world trying to figure out the best way to help them across this goal. Well, Ripple's already stated, Waters, that 2023 was going to be the year of the central bank digital currency. Well, the IMF is also validating that as the IMF's chief says that there's over 110 nations currently developing CBDCs and we've got two at least that are confirmed to be working with Ripple. So what do you think about this broad news overall? JP Morgan statements as well as CBDC development in 2023 on the XRPL. Yeah, I think that we're probably going to hear by October some big, big news about CB CBDCs uh, for sure. I even heard in an interview with um, Christine Lagarde, she was saying how the uh, Euro Central Bank is going to be deciding on or making decisions on their CBDC, the digital euro, by October of 2023. So for sure, yeah, I think it's coming right out of their mouth. It's like they're not hiding anymore. It's not a conspiracy. It is what it is. Uh, I know most of us who've been in the space for any amount of time are aware of this by now, especially if you pay attention to... Uh, channels like what you guys are doing i know bearable bull talks about it a lot um and as for ripple's role in it we all also know what that role is so <laughs> like you know i mean my take on it has been pretty much in agreement with a lot of people even though i say some things that might not seem like i'm uh on that on that side i definitely am on that side i'm just not on the cult i i know where to invest my money and my second biggest position is xrp and it's because of this type of infrastructure that's moving in. I see it to be huge opportunity and, and Ripple and XRP will both play a big role in that. Johnny, this is a hilarious statement right here. Someone, someone said, I just tuned in. I'm a bit late. Has this been a Gary Gensler free episode? Well, my friend, lucky for you, it has. But we're talking about JP Morgan right now. And this was another very significant quote, Waters. I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well. For the SEC to win, Judge Netburn must determine that all aforementioned four points are met. If she determines that one or multiple points are not met, Ripple will win the lawsuit. And they're talking about the four prongs of the Howey test. I don't want to bore people and go through those. I'm sure you understand. If the company is able to win the SEC lawsuit and trading resumes on major cryptocurrency exchanges like Coinbase, XRP is poised for significant adoption. And I think that quote is more relevant than ever because when you look at XRP right now, Coinbase has no signs of adding it back to their platform. And they just registered to offer derivatives trading in the Bahamas. And they're only offering Bitcoin and Ethereum once again. So the question that I had for you is, do you believe when this SEC lawsuit is resolved, we're going to see a mass listing back on exchanges? Or is that just another narrative promoted by our community? 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 weird because it, the Securities and Exchange Commission is just a United States parasite. So I don't know why this is a pro. Like it's the global currency. Like, <laughs> like I don't know why the Securities and Exchange Commission plays such a big role in this. Like as if you United States is the only country on Earth. Um, they're good to go everywhere else. So why do we need any of the, I don't know, I guess it's why I stopped talking about the SEC a very long time ago, mostly because I just don't really care about how this, I don't, I think it's more of a smoke and mirrors, kind of a distraction to get people to play the waiting game, you know, when in reality, investing was all about buying an opportunity when it's undervalued and seeing in the future of it through your own research and, um, <laughs> making a determination that would be based on, oh, I'm able to see and forecast the future of this being a lot higher than where it's at now per per uh, coin or per stock or however you're analyzing a company. Um, anybody who does their analysis on Ripple as a company, they should be able to determine pretty quickly that if you were to look at their XRP token and see the price of it, that clearly there's a lot of upside potential. I think we're like this. I think we're not looking at those things anymore do you guys agree or am i crazy like i no, I, I feel agree. like some sometimes i pause and i like listen to warren buffett say something and i'm like huh he was right <laughs> like you guys like in crypto world have become so delusional because you don't even know the fucking basics anymore about how investing works and it's uh it's it's really sad it's really sad um and then they make fun of Warren Buffett at the same time because he talked shit about Bitcoin a couple times. It's like, well, yeah, he's a thousand years old. Like how many more year, how many more uh, cheeseburgers and McDonald's does he have left in him before he keel? You know, but you look at his tracker and you look at his what he's done in his time. I think if you were to rewind, if Bitcoin was invented when Warren was 30, I bet you he would be a huge big, he'd be a Bitcoin maxi. Of course, I completely agree with that statement. But, you know, the big the big point here, I, I know I, I tend to give these unsexy answers, even though that's my that's my my role in crypto world. Um, but, yeah, like my whole take on the SEC thing is is basic. It's like, well, it's just the United States. Um, I don't I it's not completely delisted across the whole world on every single exchange. I think that one of the bigger issues is just United States crypto exchanges. Right. Like just in general. How many of them are doing shit that needs to get cleaned up? I think that there's a lot of weird stuff going on between the mining of Bitcoin and eh, you name it. I even think Binance has a lot of stuff to, to clean up. So we just don't really know between stable coins and between trading and them trying to force KYC and everyone. And eh, it's there's so many bigger conversations on the sidelines that I think are going to be impactful. What most people in the XRP army want or community want to know is, will the price go up when the SEC case is settled? That's what they want to know. And that answer is yes. Elaborate. Yeah, it'll it'll go up purely because of instant belief and the way that we speculate, like all things, right? That's all. If Joe Biden woke up tomorrow and tweeted saying, I'm buying Bitcoin today, Bitcoin will fucking go up. Yep. If if Kim Kardashian woke up tomorrow and said that I'm buying Pepe coin, it will go up even more because human beings just do whatever they think. It's news, right? 
And what I teach people is buy boredom and buy blood. Like buy when it's boring or buy when it's bloody because those are the two times that you get in before the news hits. And anyone who knows how to do technical analysis can get in at even more opportune times. So regardless of how the case goes, I mean, I don't think I don't see downside uh, unless we had two things happen at once. And this would be really weird. But let's just say something happened with like the Federal Reserve or something happened with interest rates, something happened with that would bring Bitcoin down. Eh, you know, if Bitcoin was to drop below 20,000, I don't see XRP having an isolated moon moon mission. Uh, I still think that Bitcoin and the general crypto markets energy will impact XRP. And that's really unpopular what I just said. A lot of people are going to be mad at me for saying things like that. But I know it, it hurts our stomachs when we hear these sorts of things. But XRP is not like ready really yet uh, until the until the investors become more mature. Because with this SEC case or not, shouldn't XRP be doing really well? If all the people that were fucking around with Pepe coin right now moved into XRP and all the people fucking around with all the other shit coins moved into XRP, well, then wouldn't it be substantial? So if that's the case, people are just waiting around for regulatory clarity. If And that's what will cause the adoption. Then that means the investors of now who are supposedly the educated investors are weak hands and they don't really mean what they don't really invest according to the way they talk or the way they tweet i guess i should i should say right there would be a discrepancy and we all have to admit that so if you really have loyalty uh, allegedly to a project well shouldn't that be shown in the charts you would think so right you would think that and maybe that's what's driving the loyalties like around 38 cents i think that's where we saw the floor when this thing crapped out. Um, but Jordan, yeah, you bring up bring up a, a really good point. Like, what is the catalyst needed to really take XRP, if you will, to the next level? What is that? You know, obviously retail can't do it because we saw that, you know, you hear about XRP, huge XRP army, and we can't even bust through 70 cents, right? So the reality is I agree with you, there is not enough support there at retail. The question is, is there enough support? at maybe the institutional level that maybe when there's clarity that money floods in here or not. But you said something important and I agree with you hundred percent. I hate green days. I, I've come to be the worst. I like red. You know why? Cause that's when you want to be buying as the big, you know, as Buffett says, buy when the blood in, in the street. And so the question I have for you is, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, the, the coming eclipse and how that may, you know, bring the market down. We know the whole thing selling may go away. And so the question is, do you feel there's going to be an opportunity coming soon, maybe in the May, June timeframe where we may get a strong enough pullback where that's a good time for people who maybe haven't gotten in or people who are in that may want a DCA as we go down. Do you, do you, if you think about a, a particular time zone where it might make sense, excuse me, <clears throat> to DCA, what, what is your, What's your time frame look like? Does does May and June yeah. maybe seem like that typical time? Well, uh, I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. If I had to give a short term, if I had to give a short term outlook that uh, in response to what Johnny's asking, I would say that there is actually a, a potential that we move up into June, that we actually move up uh, 
after this eclipse. So this eclipse being a lunar eclipse, but during a solar cycle, as I talked about earlier. So if you're new, if you're just joining into this now, you listen to the beginning of this, you're going to be filled in on that whole spiel. But essentially, since we've moved into a solar cycle, a lunar eclipse should be weaker. So we are getting a majority of this negative bearish momentum as we speak. Like if you look at the charts, it looks like we have seen a lot of altcoins start to keel over a little bit, but still nothing as crazy as we saw like back in the end of the year uh, of 2022. Now, with that out of the way, um, we still have potential for one more leg to the upside for Bitcoin, potentially into 33 upwards of $40,000. Um, and that could be fulfilled by the month of June in the month of June. And the reason um, actually circles back to something that Mario brought up earlier that I uh, answered to, which was kind of the cyclical nature of Bitcoin. And you could see in 2019, Bitcoin had a relief rally into June. And then if you look back in 2016, we could see that Bitcoin had a relief rally into June. And then it turned over. It went kind of down sideways for a pretty long period of time. And then it kept it moving after the Bitcoin halving. Now, this is really important to take note of because when we have two cycles back to back doing the same all time high in the same time frame, followed by the same all time low, the same time frame. And then we have relief rallies that are happening in the same time frame, then I'm not trying to like outthink this thing just yet. I mean, of course, it could surprise us and do something different. But, you know, anyone who's been following along my work now for a couple months, they've been watching and tracking this alongside us. So it's kind of me thinking that into late April, perhaps even early June, we could actually see um, Bitcoin pull off one more leg higher. And then I believe it's going to turn over into the month of July, August. We should probably see this crypto market be, um, and when I say crypto market, I have to kind of separate two ideas. One is Bitcoin. The other one is everything else. I think Bitcoin's going to probably hold structure. It's probably not going to go lower than the 15,000 lows that it happened on uh, back in November of 2022. Um, and then with September, October, I think it could actually hold that structure. But if Bitcoin was to roll over now back to like 20,000, that could be very, very harsh on a, the rest of the alt mark, the, the rest of the alt market. And we could also see Bitcoin dominance get into like the 50% range uh, over July, August, uh, into September, October. And if it starts going into that 50, 51, 52% whilst it's heading down to like $20,000, damn, like you, you're going to start to see some serious blood in the streets for a lot of the altcoins. Um, I think ETH is going to be fine. Binance token is going to be fine. Like a lot of the top stuff is going to be okay. But I wouldn't start dollar cost averaging just yet. Again, this is not financial advice, but for me, I'm definitely waiting a little bit longer. Um, I'm actually ultra patient right now because of my ideas behind a shitcoin washout i i think there's gonna be a really really big event with banking uh with the banking system in general like i couldn't believe it when i logged onto my chase account and i saw that first republic bank was acquired by chase i was literally things that i've said in live in my live streams came to life when i looked at that banner on chase's website I've told people like Chase, American Express and Bank of America, like those are my banks. Like I feel like those are going to swallow everything, everything. Like what we saw in 2008 is like, I actually texted Bearable Bull about this earlier. I told him like what, what happened in 2008 with the banks, man, this is going to be like preschool. 
So Waters, one of the follow-up questions I had about this topic in particular is we believe that this is just the premise. They're centralizing the banking industry, JP Morgan, HSBC, Bank of America. These are going to be the survivors. Then they're going to roll out a digital product. So the reason that we're seeing the banking collapse today, they're getting rid of all regional banks that can't upgrade their systems, monopolizing yeah. them through these bigger banks, and then launching a CBDC or some sort of digital native token within JP Morgan or within Bank of America. So how do you feel about that in particular? And do you think they're waiting for regulation or are we going to see these tokens be adopted before regulation even moves in the U.S.? Um, well, I've been saying this for a long time that I feel like Chase, American Express, Bank of America are going to take it all. Like they're, everything is done. Um, I, I was saying that I would, I would be scared of credit unions in 2023 and 2024. I was saying that back in 2022 and people were like stoning me to death when I was talking like that because of this belief that credit unions are somehow better. And I was just like, I don't think you get it. Like, I think... I just want to say this really quickly. Like I think too many people back in 2020 through 2022 got sucked into a niche of financial news that was centered around precious metals, sort of anti-crypto stuff. And then also it was pushing all these like alternatives to the banking system that would somehow be better. And it would always include these ideas like being in credit unions, et cetera. So I would have people reach out to me like asking for help. And I would say, I think Chase, JP Morgan and Charles Schwab, uh, Amex, anything tied to them, uh, which I think would be Morgan Stanley, as well as uh, what was the, the final one? Bank of America and anything tied to them, which I think is Merrill Lynch. OK, those are fine. They are going to swallow it all. And. People are like, oh, what about credit unions? And I'm like, those are the one. that's what's getting swallowed. <laughs> like, that's what's going to get eaten up. And it has everything to do with this new financial in infrastructure that's moving in. Like, they just do not have the, the infrastructure to. And this was pre-planned, guys. Like, this was pre-planned a long time ago. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you and your bank and your checking account. You think they care about that? Look at what they did in 2008. They don't care if you have a family of four and you're a single mother and you barely can pay rent and can't even fucking get diapers for your children. They don't care. <laughs> like this group of people that owns the world is currently playing golf in Miami right now. They don't care about you. So to people that think that there's some kind of like, you know, like nuanced, like good guys in the system, it's like, sorry to break your hearts, but like, you're probably the only good guy. Like, look in the mirror. That's the only good guy. <laughs> like, everything else revolving money is like a really parasitic, like, you know, horrid system. And you just got to do what you think is best for you and, and your families. But when I was talking like this, people were getting mad because they were thinking that I was supporting the big banks. And it's like, I'm not. It's just how do you play the game without knowing the rules? And once you're like me and you learn the rules, why would you start to go like... If you know what's to come, why are you going to do something against the plan? That's just shit. That's not how you utilize your own uh, Bingo. research. Bingo. So I don't know. I hope this kind of stuff helps people because it's not that I support anything. Like I don't support I don't support Ripple as a company. I don't support Cardano as a company. I don't support Bitcoin. I don't support any of this shit. It's a fucking investment opportunity. Like I support my friends and family. <laughs> that's who i support you know i support the real people in my life not 
intangible token private keys. That's an insane way to, you know, live your life. So I think this is the kind of stuff that could help people, you know, get the emotions out of this game as soon as possible, because what's to come in this market, it's going to be very, very um, across the board. It's not just going to hit the crypto sector. It's going to hit banking uh, as a whole. And um, the best preparation of all time would be build a business. <laughs> like that's the best. Learn a skill. Learn a skill, build a business. Like that's that's the answer. Johnny, I want to play this really brief video before I get a response from you. I think this Russell Brand video just elaborates on what Water said. This is a very controversial guy, so put your opinions to the side for just a minute and listen to the message that's in this video. Here we go. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been wrong many times, but I'm beginning to think I'm right about this. The mainstream media is not your friend. The culture is not your friend. The government is not your friend. Big business is not your friend. They are operating collegiately in unison to create a set of systems that are beneficial to them and disadvantage you. I've made a lot of... I couldn't agree with that more, Waters, and you just elaborated on it there. But one of our listeners commented and said, lots are waking up, but will it be enough to stop the plans of the elite? I'm, I guess I'm a younger guy, but one of the things I have noticed is in the last three or four years, people have been changing drastically. It seems... Maybe it's just my personal circle, but it seems people are becoming more spiritual, more open-minded. You're either going one direction or the other. You're either leaning into the new age or you're kind of staying in the old paradigm. But that middle ground really seems to be evaporating. So I wanted to get some broader thoughts here. Maybe it's not directly related to crypto, but do you believe that we are seeing some sort of a mass awakening right now? And if so, is that going to be enough to combat the global agenda we're witnessing? Yeah, so like we're seeing a mass awakening, but I think like we're conflating like this idea that we're still not going to compromise. Like, trust me, family, like when the, when you go to a restaurant and they're just like, yeah, you need to look at the QR, you need a QR code picture of the menu. We don't have menus. What are you going to do? You're going to go home because you're too fucking hip to scan the QR code. Like, what are you going to do? Are, are you just going to scan it and eat food and shut up? Like, what are you, what are we really, you know? So that's the thing. I think there's this awkwardness that comes along with this so-called new age where people are thinking that uh, these new changes are going to be horrid, like absolutely the worst ever. But initially, I think you're going to like a lot of the changes. I think when you start seeing the conveniences that come along with it, the whole world is just going to move lockstep. So, you know, do you do you really think that people are going to like uh, riot just because now they could like tap their phone to pay uh, on a digital wallet system that the money's already digital? Like who's walking around with cash? So I just kind of I, I wonder, is the awakening also uh, a conversation to be had about the sovereignty of, of individuals and where this technocratic world order is headed and the transhumanist agenda that's moving in like what exactly are we gonna exercise when it comes to our extended uh bandwidth of consciousness you see like because now when i go to a grocery or when i go somewhere and i notice that there's a qr code i'm like whatever like i just i take the picture and it, we keep it moving and when you go to a, a airport in two years there's gonna be no passport anymore they're just going to have a facial recognition technology that reads your iris and it's going to determine that's your passport number. That's the country of origin. That's when your passport expires. And, and you know what? When you apply for a passport now, you know how most of us have to like go to an actual place and we have to like 
get a physical picture taken and make an a actual physical application and mail it and all of this like hard like excessive weird shit because the government hasn't uh <laughs> you know promoted their systems any higher than this archaic old school system well soon it's just going to be a phone app that's tied to you know your your digital identification and you're just going to be able to update your uh, new application straight off your phone. They're going to make a lot more new systems convenient. So I don't know, man. I think like a lot of people are fighting an invisible kind of like monster. And they think it's going to be this horrible thing that we're going to have to like struggle to get out of. But most people are just going to think it's all convenient. And when it's convenient, you're going to see the complaints dwindle away. There you have it, Johnny Crypto, sacrificing your freedoms for safety. We've seen it a million times before. But, guys, we got 636 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And somebody in the live chat is accusing me of saying that I think Russell Brand is a hero. You're an idiot. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I don't think he's a hero. I just agree with his message. But I do want to get into some more important news. Coinbase is sued for privacy violations over collecting users' biometric data. And the reason I think this article plays in perfectly to what Waters said is because people were sacrificing their personal information for the ease of being able to go through an exchange like this and purchase your cryptocurrency. So what did they do? They filled out the KYC and now they're regretting it. So I wanted to get some statements here. Coinbase was supposedly illegally collecting this data because they didn't offer how they were going to destroy that data after it was used. What do you think about Coinbase doing this right here, Waters? Oof. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff like this happening, like leaks of data, and they're just not they're going to come up with some like excuse about how they don't know what to do or they like, you know, like and what what could you do? Like, what could any of us do? I mean, it's not like your information isn't already being spread across the Internet the second you've given it to one platform, you know, so who cares what's going on? Like, it's just it's really wild how much data is being sold and transacted and i had no idea how deep it got until one time i uh, somebody sent me a little snippet of a guy that was explaining it and it blew my mind but the biometric data is a different beast right that's a different type of data so you know i think full-fledged and this is not me trying to be a conspiracy theorist but i, I assume that this whole c19 years were done on purpose to collect as much biometric data as possible so that this type of stuff could happen and then these big tech companies could be like whoops you know whenever something goes wrong and what are you going to do about it you know most people don't even know probably 99 percent of the data that they do give up right because when you're filling out all these websites you buy an airplane ticket you go on you know like now you go to every store and it has its own reward system like your grocery store wants to get your email address <laughs> Like, why does my grocery store need my fucking email address? But then they tell you, oh, there's a reward system. And you're like, oh, rewards. Yay. And you, you're just giving up your stuff to everyone. And you don't even know you're doing it most of the time. If I, I just want to emphasize what Waters is saying, because what he's saying is extremely important going forward. I don't think people realize how serious, you know, cybersecurity is and, and how more serious it will be going forward. Because... As you just said, everywhere you're putting in your personal information, whether it's your email, your name, your date of birth, all of this is at the mercy of it being hacked. And, you know, I just want to emphasize, pay attention to your passwords, pay attention to your emails, pay attention to where you're putting your information, separate your your emails, your passwords between different accounts. I know that, you know, this was one of my, uh, this is what I spoke about at the conference. And this is one of my niches. Like I love security. I love 
um, looking at ways in which I can protect my personal identity. And I strongly believe for me personally that, you know, the war of the future or the, the hacking or the stealing of the future, it's not going to be somebody coming up to you and pointing a gun, give me your wallet. No, they're going to take your information because it's readily available online, unfortunately. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, no, I actually, I actually agree with you so much. And it's because somebody sent me a, a, like a chat GPT, uh, song where they took like a Kanye West song and they had Kendrick Lamar singing the lyrics and that shit like blew my mind. Right. And yeah. You know, you could take anyone now and you could put like make like a deep fake video where it's one to one and it's like quick too. And people are like firing, you know, that one um Joe Rogan and David Cho podcast that just happened recently. I don't know if I talked about it the last time I was with you guys, but there was something kind of like that where he was like, you know, everything you want now you can make happen. And then this is going to start infringing on the concept of verification, like who's who and that doesn't necessarily worry me because I don't live in fear. And I try to just like every time I feel any worry or fear, I just keep it to the sidelines. But I think Mario's right. Like the next battle we're going to have is going to be like, well, if you're an upcoming influencer or artist in any capacity or you're somebody who's breaking through and a scammer now wants to start mimicking your identity, they will do that instead of what they do now, which is they make WhatsApp number accounts and they comment in the YouTube comment section and they make fake twitter accounts and they dm everyone on your friends list or your followers list like this is the little savvy shit they do now but soon it's going to be like full-blown chat gpt open ai um identity being stolen straight up like the word the words that are coming out of your mouth are going to be repurposed and turned into whatever they can utilize to to scam people so you know scamming scamming is just getting started man like we thought these guys were getting good like because of chat gpt it's gonna get fucked yeah i'll tell you yep. what the other day i was um on the phone i forgot which which company i was calling and they say oh do you want to use your voice as a login and i said absolutely not hell freaking no because like you just said you know ai is coming and they can mimic you in fact right now th this could be a, a giant crypto ai this might not actually be me but the reality is they certainly can do it <laughs> <laughs> who knows right but they certainly can do it so i would tell everybody if you have the option to not let your voice be an id i wouldn't do it because they're already that scam's already been going on where they call you they ask you a question yeah. hey are you johnny this or that and you say yes and then they record your voice and then they use your voice you know so they've been doing it the old school analog way but once ai comes oh my god you are so right waters it is going to be a nightmare with the amount of scams that are going to be happening and going on with the capability of AI. It is very scary. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where technology can be used as coach always says two ways, you know, for good or for bad. And unfortunately, because we have both kinds of people in the world, you're going to see it on both sides. Absolutely. And Waters, I'd love to just give a quick follow-up right here. One of our listeners commented, what about chip implants? So I'm going to give a little, little <laughs> soliloquy and then you can respond. When we listen to the World Economic Forum, whether it's Klaus Schwab or the man he's training underneath him, they're talking about a dividing in the classes happening through technology. So right now we have millionaires and billionaires and we have people who can't afford to pay their bills, right? That's how, the, that's how we have an economic divide. In the future, what he's saying is we're going to have a class of people who are fully integrated with technology 
having instant access to the internet, making money will be a thing of the past because you'll be automatically the best lawyer in the world, the best doctor in the world. These are the things that they're promoting, right? This is not what I'm saying. But what, yeah. we're, what we're witnessing here is if the people decide, let's say awakened individuals like we like to consider ourselves, decide not to integrate with technology, what does that mean for us? Like, let's let's have a hypothetical here. Does that mean that we have to be removed from society? Do you think there's going to be small outlets of people who decide not to integrate with this technology? What are you anticipating if the World Economic Forum is able to promote this technological evolution? Well, first step is make it fun, right? Like, make it cute. Make it feel like it's fun. That's why they show you all those Disney movies. Like, if you watch most of those Disney anim like animated movies, like, they're fucking sad. They're super sad. And they show these to children. They're just like they're they're programming kids to think that this world like this technological future that we're heading into is like a positive and like, you know, this is all just part of the programming. So I don't really think that um, it's going to go exactly the way some people might think as fast as the way some people might conspire to believe. Like, I think we will still have an essence of humanity around where people still want to hang out with each other and play sport and, you know, go to the movie theater and enjoy all that stuff conversation sharing a beer like i don't really think that's all going away that soon but um you know as this stuff becomes well we have a tenfold increase of things like what depression since c19 like just having so much more depression you could tell that people are going to start struggling well i mean they're going to struggle with uh, creating new relationships dating is going to start to become more complicated making new friends in real life is more complicated like all of this stuff has led to people feeling very lonely and well when this new technologic technological uh, future type of city foundation that they Im Im implement people are going to be able to trade their loneliness for this type of world Right. Like if you're feeling sad, you could just put some VR headset on and it'll do whatever it needs to do to boost some biometric level in your body, some melatonin, whatever the fuck's going on. Like it'll just be like dopamine syringe into the main vein, <laughs> you know, kind of. And I'm, of course, I'm speaking in uh, parable here, but we're just having fun with the idea. As you said, it's hypothetical. Um, whatever you see now with the endless scrolling, if that doesn't fulfill that person scrolling endlessly on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that shit. Well, they'll just have a whole new like augmented reality version of it where it feels like every time they scroll through the thing, they're going to get the sensations of whatever it is that they're looking at. So if they've just made wow. it to a TikTok video, if they've just made it to a TikTok video with like a picture of like a woman that like there will be some sort of like chemical that will release into you that will like induce a feeling and then you know, there will be color changes, body temperature changes, aromas. Like once you have those chip implant things that that guy brought up before, like you can induce all of that stimuli instantaneously. So that's where we're really we're really going there. And once people start to taste that stuff, it's like a Pandora's box, right? Like it just it's infinite. The the things There's people really will cool. want. There and, was a really uh, cool. Oh, sorry about it. No, no, no. I was just going to say, like, uh, when you're somebody who's, uh, what is it, bulimia, where they're forcing themselves to throw up after eating food. Well, now instead of eating the food, you can just do some sort of VR meal where you're getting the sensations of the scent and the taste and the chewing and all that. And then you could lose that could be a weight loss plan in the metaverse. 
you know like if you really open up your mind to the shit that's coming i think that this this is it like think of whatever you can do as a human and it will be figured out to have a an actual sensory experience and it will be so cheap and so readily available that you could get it at your local walmart or you know just buy it online and it will be you living in your house all day like just enjoying reality at whatever capacity um and actually feel stimulated by it like the sensations of having those experiences will be close to one to one you know what's funny that you say that waters they made a movie called ready player one i don't know if people saw it but it's literally what you're describing it was people living in the metaverse what is it called ready player one if you haven't seen ready player one go watch it it's literally no describing- i haven't it's literally describing, you know, how the, the, the movies tell you the future, what's coming. They literally, it's literally what you described. You put the mask on, you're living in this world. They have the body suit. You put the suit on you and one girl touches you and you feel the sensation. You know, they touch you in the metaverse and you feel mm-hmm. it in real life. And literally when they show you a glimpse of the outside world, the world has gone to shit. You know, cars and buildings stacked on top of each other. Everything's falling apart. Nobody gives you shit because everybody's living in this fake world. But go check out Ready Player One, guys, if you haven't seen it, unfortunately. That's part wow. of the future. I mean, it's crazy. Johnny, I have another quick response I'd like to give. Elon Musk was talking to the founder of AI at Google, and this was during the early 2000s. And he was talking about they used to stay up late into the night on the phone together discussing the future of AI, regulation, all these types of things. And during one of these deep conversations, Elon Musk was telling him they need to be careful about what they're developing. And they got into a really heated argument. And you know what the founder of Google's AI said to Elon Musk? He said, you're a specious. You're too focused on humanity. It's bigger than humanity. This is bigger than human beings. And I thought that was really interesting because he was actually viewing it from the perspective of like, what is what is Earth without humans kind of? He was saying like, we're going to go into an age where humans aren't essential, which is disgusting. And I do not agree with it. But I just thought there's people out there who are human beings who genuinely don't want the best <laughs> for humanity. It's unbelievable. It's very confusing. And you forgot you left out the best part. You left out Elon's response. What did he say? I'm tell him. I'm forgetting. Wait, re- he said he's, yeah. Well, the guy said to him, "Oh, you're being you're being human, or that's too humanistic." He's like, "Yeah, because I'm a human." That's <laughs> <was> like, "Hello." <laughs> yeah, it's pretty scary. And these are the most powerful people on the planet, Waters, and that's what's very interesting. This is the man who's founding and in control of Google's AI, and they're already putting out claims. It's sentient. They're trying to scare people. There's no sentient computers out there, not yet, at least. But we are very close. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I just want to say one thing. While you were while you were talking about that movie, I, I looked it up and the, the release date of Ready Player One, uh, the first release date was March 11th, 2018. And two years later, the exact day is when the pandemic was declared by the World Health Organization. Boom. So what's crazy about this is I always talk about the, the the power of these twos and the number 222 specifically. Like if you take from 9-11 over to the day the World Health Organization declared the pandemic, that was 222 months on the day, the 222. So yeah, go to Ready Player One Film and then click it and you'll see it, it played at South by Southwest on March 11th, 2018. If you actually click on the Wikipedia page. But anyways, the point that is funny about this is how this movie you bring up was exactly on that date. <laughs> like, you can't make like this shit said, up. And, and you think metal, right? you you think the day before that this year was when Silicon Valley Bank failed. <laughs> March 10th. Wow. Shit up. It's like can't this doesn't happen. 
Yeah, you can't make this up, and it's really important that people think about all this stuff. Uh, I gotta watch this movie. Thank you for thank you for recommending it, man. I live under a fucking rock. You want yeah. another? You want another <laughs> so-called conspiracy here, Waters? This is some news that we found earlier this week. J.P. Morgan released groundbreaking technology on December eleventh, twenty twenty, completing an in-house blockchain technology, and J.P.M. Coin would actually be used for a live transaction on that day. What happened ten days later? Mm. Ripple was sued by the SEC. We've talked about this before. There is somebody right now, Ashley Prosper on Twitter. She's working to get documents revealing what the SEC and JP Morgan discussed specifically regarding XRP right before they were filing for the lawsuit. So we went into this in great detail yesterday. If you guys want to check it out, go look at the episode. But I wanted to get some thoughts from Waters here. Is it fair to draw this connection? 10 days before the SEC sues Ripple, JP Morgan is completing their in-house transactions for the first time ever. So would people be conspiring that JP Morgan is like against Ripple? Is that kind of what the initial consensus is on this? Yeah. So JP Morgan is not okay. only incentivized to promote Ethereum, they're incentivized to hurt their competitors. And we're saying Ripple is a competitor and that's why they'd be willing to do this. Why Why would, I'm asking this openly because you guys have more awareness than I do. Why would Ripple and why would Ethereum consider Ripple a competitor? Interbank transfers. So it's a it's a it's a deep rabbit hole. They're not actually focused on the best technology. They're focused on what they agreed to use nearly five or ten years ago now. And you can go back to these old videos of Joseph Lubin, who was talking about JP Morgan in 2014, before it was ever off into the open public. Uh, JP Morgan was already developing on Ethereum. So what I think is they got attached financially to this technology, and now they're basically stuck in this lane, regardless of how good the other technology is. Okay, you're you're adding in the layer of JP Morgan. I was just asking basically like why would anyone they're not even anything alike. Um yeah. smart contracts versus on demand liquidity. I just don't I don't understand why they would be um <clears throat> Do you understand so my the, confusion? So the thinking is more is that there was a relationship going on between our three so JP Morgan was working on creating some cross-border uh, payment system, and they were working with Corda, R3 Corda. Yeah, uh, yeah. Consensus and... Yeah, I knew about this. Yeah, so you knew they were working on a solution. Well, Ripple was part of that, and all four of them were working it together. Then there was a big fallout between Ripple and R3, and they got kind of pushed out. And so now mm -hmm. the question is, what we don't know is, did Ripple, you know, whatever that fallout led to, now you got R3 Corda, JPM on one side and Ripple on the other. I got one more layer to add to that too, Johnny, building on what you said there. So R3 had a $1.4 billion settlement with Ripple. And there was actually one bank, the only bank that left the R3 consortium, which is the top 40 banks on the planet, was JP Morgan. And so they left in 2019. Mm. And that's another reason that we consider them to be somewhat of a competitor, I guess. So wow, that's super interesting. Well, I, I do feel that, um, and I've said this many times, I know that XRP ledger, I don't think that that will, that what we know of in the XRP community or anything that we know of in the whole XRP or a cryptocurrency or blockchain community for that matter. I don't think that's the stuff that's going to be utilized um, on this incoming system, at least not initially. I think we're going to be seeing pretty much nefarious some some really nefarious kind of like events occur that pushes these uh central bank digital currencies but i don't know how they're going to create them to be all working 
uh, interoperable. I just don't get how they would do that. Like, I don't know how JP Morgan would have its own native token that'd be different from Bank of America, that would be different from Wells Fargo, that would be different from... You see, I would I would go ahead and assume based on where I'm at with my research is that it would be like the Federal Reserve's coin. It would be like the some sort of Fed now Fed coin deal. Um, that would be my assumption. So are we piloting individual bank CBDC? Uh, no, that, that's not a central bank. So what what is the assumption here? Are we talking about for instruments in the background, like loans or specifically just CDs or you got this one, Johnny? You know, the thinking was that they were just behind the, the introduction of creating a system that maybe th they would all use. So I don't know, you know, if it was ultimately going to be put up for adoption to the, to the, to fed or whatever to use as a, the basis of a CBDC, but certainly all these banks deal with a lot of cross border solutions and uh, cross border payments and they make a right. shit ton of money, by the way, off of it, charging fees right, right now. Yeah, fees. And so obviously any system that's created could ther theoretically be um, a threat to the, a big source of money or a pool of money to them. So I would assume maybe if you create your own system, you know, that then you would get adoption from all the other groups to use. You can have a system that now, you know, you could secure, I guess, whatever, you know, you'd have control over it and be able to. Yeah maybe not lose those profits or, you know, if the cost is lower, maybe you reduce the cost, but you could still make a lot of money off of it. So this is, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to money if you ask me, but, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, yeah. you know what it reminds me of as well is project icebreaker, which is being created by the BIS. They're working on creating one gateway for all central bank digital currencies to be able to come in and communicate. And they've already got central banks of Israel, Norway, Sweden, as well as several other big countries on there. So I think that's what we're seeing here. Another this sounds like a this sounds like a CIA uh, operation. Yeah, <laughs> Project Icebreaker. Yeah. Icebreaker, yeah, you're right with that name for sure. Fuck, some like so, Russian intelligence spy. Would you be surprised? No, I would not. I think uh, not. I think that's where we're headed. We're headed to another one of those uh, moments in our life in our lives where we're like, what? <laughs> some sort of I'm Nixon, some sort of Nixon level stuff. Well, you heard that there was actually an assassination attempt on Vladimir Putin yesterday. Let's throw that out there while we're here. Do you believe oh, these really? are? Yeah. So supposedly Ukraine launched a missile strike and targeted where he was at. Now, obviously, he survived. He's OK. But those types of narratives, that's what they're going to use to push us further into this this dispute. Right. Oh, now yeah. there's been an assassination attempt. Time for the U.S. to go full blown to protect ourselves. I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I actually because I'm a big student of World War One and World War Two. Um, obviously, I, actually, I'll slow down for a second. If anyone really wants to know about central banking and the Federal Reserve and like global finances and how the economy works, go really study World War One and World War Two. And if you don't, and I'm not talking about what your history books say, I'm saying go out of your way to actually study something else. But I won't even get too deep into that. Just a reminder to people who really want to know about the economy, go study World War One and World War Two, and you'll know exactly why that war happened. Now, yeah. if you go, if you're aware of how, why that war happened, how, how it happened, I would say, you know, everything from 1912 with the sinking of the Titanic to the Federal Reserve creation to the 33 gold confiscation, et cetera, like that whole time for, I, I really feel like this Ukraine Russia deal that's happening, like it's starting to give me that. How do I say this? Like it's like a, a cycle, it's a cycle of the change of the world order. And um, this is very similar kind of nuanced um, 
events that we got back then. So, you know, if we look at the implementation of the Federal Reserve right after the sinking of the Titanic, well, we have had a monumental uh, world event occur just in 2020. It was the first time ever since when, 1919, that we've been globally shut down um, at the capacity that we were. We already had like an epic event and it was pretty damn long. It wasn't just one night uh, with a couple of, you know, decent billionaires on the on the ship it was it was the whole world had to deal with this so now we're seeing the banking changes just a couple years later here in 2023 we're seeing the hyperinflation we're seeing the failure of many currencies around the world um you know go study go study world war one and world war two guys and you're gonna see a lot of this shit looks very very weirdly similar and um i would not be surprised if we um see stuff start to change dramatically um, just because of that narrative that's kicked off with Ukraine, Russia. Absolutely. Go ahead, Johnny. They typically do after wars, but abs, it sounds like, uh, Putin had an exit plan and avoided that attack. And you know what? It it seems like our, (laughs) that's the the fucking best promotion I've ever heard of my life, dude. Holy shit. You already know what we're about to play right now. The smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Yeah, I could I couldn't pass it up. It was uh it was too good of a promoter. <laughs> it's too good of a promo to pass up. But uh yeah, that so was funny, certainly... that was the funniest thing of all time. <laughs> I, Amazing, have, I, I, I guess we had an exit plan. I gotta have an exit plan. See guys, see folks the importance of an exit plan for not getting wrecked. Make sure you get on the wait list. A hundred percent guys. And if you're looking for the subscription link, just click down below. You get 30 days absolutely free and we do not custody your crypto. We are an exit strategy app. We're helping you take profits in this market. And hopefully we're making that process as simple as possible. But guys, we got 588 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. There's a couple of things that I would love to get to next. But the biggest story I found this morning was that Flare is going to be integrated with Google Cloud's Marketplace. And this is huge for Layer 1 contracts all around the world. So I'm going to read a little bit here and kick it back to Waters. Layer 1's Ethereum virtual machine blockchain platform, Flare, has integrated its application program interface portal with Google Cloud's Marketplace, onboarding a significant number of blockchain APIs into the crypto ecosystem. This is going to include APIs for blockchains such as Algorand, BNB, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Flare, Litecoin, Songbird, and the XRP Ledger. Now, this is a huge integration here, Waters. But what I get excited about is Google being connected in some way, shape, or form to the XRP Ledger and Flare getting this integration. It's a big deal to me. 
Does this mean anything to you? Sorry, I needed a I needed a tweet out what Johnny Crypto just said. I I that was the funniest thing ever. Like, <laughs> That's I, okay. I, I'm off I'm off the I'm off the rails right now. So whatever you just <laughs> asked me, like. Well, that was like that was that was like some shit that I would say during a live stream. That's why that was beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you. Make sorry, that sorry. Some... <laughs> sorry, I have to have fun right now. This is too good. Of That's course, I father of fun, baby. We gotta have fun. If you don't have fun, <laughs> what's the point of living, right? It's all about fun. I think you're. I think you're muted, Abs. All right, guys, my mute button got me there. This is the story that I was looking for, and I wanted to get some statements about as well. Yesterday, we had this man, Rom, can't pronounce his name, actually sit and have dinner <laughs> with a previous SEC official. He said, "SEC Arthur 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 Levitt said that crypto will be a part of the American financial system sooner or later." And the reason this is important is because this man right here, he looks a lot like Johnny, I know, but he's actually the oldest uh, sitting person at the SEC. And he's been at the SEC for quite a while. So Johnny, all love and jokes this morning. But how do you feel about an SEC chair admitting, regardless of what Gary Gensler is doing, crypto is going to be integrated in the United States? Yeah, no, that's for sure. (laughs) Okay, yeah, you take it. You take it. I'm still laughing. Oh, yeah, that was great. I mean, this guy is so bad, bro. You guys are so bad, (laughs) <laughs> you gotta give him a chance and the show is ruined yeah and the momentum is gone forget it johnny you give us a response then i'll get the di- i'll get the uh the momentum. Is, that, is that jimmy carter on the left that's who it looks like over there <laughs> on the left i'm just gonna oh my god oh my <laughs> looks god. like jimmy carter but uh wow you get that guy a diaper definitely <laughs> A legend over there. Serving That's out. so funny. Love Sucks just commented, Abs, now Johnny's going to do a diaper joke. You need to do it. Waters need to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to go into the defense thing. I really wasn't. That was perfectly really timed. But, uh, but uh, you know. Oh, Johnny, was... last thing. Let me just actually give you some details. I'll kick it back to you for a real right, response. Uh... So this man's a legend. He's the longest serving SEC chair, entrepreneur, and builder. But the fact that he's this old and sees that crypto is coming in, I think Elizabeth Warren should take a message from this man. But Johnny, let me get a real response from you. I will say this. That is actually encouraging to see one of the older, you know, because at the end of the day, we all know that we look to the older folks. We look to the guys with wisdom, you know, with the grayer beards and not the dark bronze like, you know, Mario has down there. The gray one means you got a little wisdom. That's the difference, right? A little experience. So we want it. We want us. It's actually very encouraging abs, to see some of the older folks who don't understand the technology and you got a guy like this who's on the SAC, you know, and I can't imagine that none of the commissioners would think he would know what the hell he's talking about. And if he's coming out and saying, Hey, this is something that I think is going to happen. I would, I would say that you would hope the rest of the commissioners would say, Hey, you know, this guy probably knows. I should, I should probably look into this and see what's going on and understand this better. Cause if this old man could figure it out. They bite you know, by all means should know exactly what's going and what's coming on. So for me, it is encouraging abs to see that we've got, you know, at least one, one guy that knows what's going on over there at the SEC. And we know Hester Pierce, crypto mom also is an advocate for cryptocurrency as well. Uh, But now we just need to start to see some action happening. We need to see things kind of moving in in a more positive direction for regulation in crypto. And we're obviously never going to get that from the SEC. We really need Congress to, to step up and put some clarification rules in place so that the SEC can then have the direction it needs to go in the right, you know, to, to, to manage this thing or enforce it properly. 
Waters, when we talked about 2023 in the past, we were calling it the year of institutional adoption, but everyone who's been following your work knows that we're in Jubilee. Am I correct? This is the Jubilee year 2023. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which, which makes it kind of weird because I just want to let people know Jubilee ends in September. So once it's over, we could actually have a lot of events occur between September 18th uh, through the end of the year. A lot of events, like in a good way or a bad way. What, what do you like? A very, you... like a very bad way. A very bad way. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's. Do you nice believe the banking collapse we're witnessing now plays into that whole, uh, I guess, narrative? Correct. Yeah, it would be like the domino effect. Like we've just watched a couple of the dominoes start to fall, and once it gains momentum, you're going to see the the big whammy. But if you study the biggest market crashes or big economic events in history, you'll see they all tend to happen around September, October, November. Um, and because we are in a historic 50 year cycle called Jubilee, the last one we had was 1973. And during that time frame, we had the 1973 through 1975 recession, which was some of the worst economic times of most people, you know, most of our parents, most people that have lived through that time uh, that were in their 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, dealing with finances, having to pay bills, et cetera. They probably remember that was not a good time. Uh, some of the worst economic times post World War II. Um, now we're in that 50 year cycle in this year and you look at the markets and it's actually not near as bad as it should be when I'm talking about the indices, I know crypto is sometimes like people get kind of isolated into just looking at crypto charts. But if you look at the Dow Jones, I mean, it hit 34,000 points, like seriously, incredibly bullish chart. Um, and something's got to give. So I think that they're going to keep this market propped up. Uh, most likely throughout July, uh, for the for the overall market. Earlier, I said my words about crypto. I feel perhaps June, but with with the stock market, it gets a little slower. It's like a tortoise, you know. It's a little bit it's a little bit um slower to make its big moves, and it doesn't crash as, nearly as fast. Um, but yeah, I think September, October, when the jubilee is over, that's probably going to be when we're going to have a, a a real event. So when you talk about a real event, and I'm not going to ask you to, you know, look into your crystal ball and predict the future here, but you are saying that we're yet to see that big event, correct? We're yet, to, this banking collapse isn't the event. Oh, no, no, we're not even close. Um, okay. And I could look at the, I could look at the indices and that tells me, I could look at the indices, the DXY and also gold, gold and silver. Yep. And so just to be clear, when we do come out of this uh, Jubilee year, does that mean the next three years are also bearish? Because you broke down how from 71 to 75, that whole time was devastating for the markets. So there's, there is going to be a lot of differences because in 73 and 75, we weren't walking around with smartphones. So we didn't have millennial millionaires. Um, now we have like a lot of young kids are actually more wealthy than their own parents. Uh, a lot of people in their 20s, 30s are wealthier than their parents. Um, even if their parents are holding on to 30, 40, 50 year long careers. Um, and if they're retired, fuck man, I mean, they're definitely devastated when it comes to living off of uh, government money like that and their retirement, uh, payout, like a, like at a <laughs> getting lunch money, you know? Um, but let's just be real here. Like you can study that there's already 20 year old millionaires. Um, there's already 17, 18 year old millionaires. I met a millionaire, uh, a multimillionaire two years ago who became a millionaire when he was 16 because he learned drop shipping and e-commerce. 
when when your parent like when our fam <laughs> you know i don't know everyone is across so many different ages so let me just be ba basic here in 1980 there was no such thing as a 16 year old millionaire that was self-made that didn't exist uh, in 1950, that didn't exist. And if you equated for inf inflation and equated for all of that shit, let's just say that you had to have $400,000 to be considered a millionaire in today's um, financial standards. You, that was not even a thing, right? So now it's a possibility. And because people learned about crypto, most of the so-called crypto millionaires in this cycle, they weren't 50 and 60-year-olds. They were mostly 20, 20, 25, 30, 35. It was the younger generation who was able to make an immense amount of money off of the 2017 cycle and this 2021 cycle that happened. So, you know, we're richer, younger now. And we're getting a lot more savvy with how to tap into the market, um, whether it's completely fake business or legitimate business. It doesn't even matter. Like people are minting NFTs now and they're starting drop shipping companies and like doing all this really interesting stuff. Um, so when we say the devastation of the 70s comparatively to today, it's like we're talking two different animals here. It's totally different. What I think is the people who are the standard renters who have standard nine to five jobs and make close to minimum wage or the people that are living off of government assistance, government pay or through the 401k or superannuation or whatever sort of a for, uh, you know, retirement plan. Those are the people that are going to have a really fucked up next two years. Like, I'm just being honest. But people who are entrepreneurs, people who are creating stuff, people are actually like doing something with uh, their free time and being a little bit more savvy about the internet and this digital world that we moved into, those people are going to be fine because when we have chaos, right, the energy and the money needs to flow somewhere. So it just flows into the ones who are taking action. This is why they call it a depression because most people become literally depressed um, whilst on the other side of things. We see that what is negative for one individual can inspire that individual to change their life. It could having a negative event in your life could actually be inspiring for you to become more active and more willing to take risks. Whilst most people, when they get something negative happen, they just cry and bitch and moan and complain. So, you know, who are we? Who are you out of those people? That's really all that matters. Um, I don't think there's going to be like the end of the economy as we know it. It's just going to it's like it flows like water it takes the path of least resistance and whoever's putting in the hard work and being creative about it will prosper and the ones who aren't going to do anything about it and just complain well they're and and want to be the victim playing the blame game they're they're going to suffer so it's never like this across the board thing it's just going to be if you're the middle class that's just a worker that's just um you know on the schedule and showing up eh with hyperinflation, that's your life's not going to get better. It's not going to get easier. It's only going to get more restrictive. And I would assume that um, actually things are probably going to be, for the most part, generally better than they were during the C-19 time frame. Because at least you'll be able to go outside. At least you'll be able to travel. At least you'll be able to like go places without wearing a mask or worrying about social distancing. So, you know, I hope all this stuff helps people because I'm not trying to be the doom and gloom guy. Like generally, it's going to be OK. Um, you just got to be savvy with your finances right now. So let's talk about some things that people could actually do, because one of the things we're witnessing right now is nations around the world are de-dollarizing at a rate we've never seen before. And I think it stems from the fear that we used our sanction. We used the, what is the word I'm looking for? Like 
the 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 sanction stick we use that weapon against them already so <laughs> yeah. we, we can't continue to sanction people around the world they're just going to create separate systems and that's what we're witnessing today five arab states plus iran as well as 19 other nations are ready to join BRICS. and i'm going to add this line de-dollarize and move away from the u.s dollar do you believe that people should be bearish on the u.s dollar because anybody who's been bearish in the past has been proven incorrect is this finally the moment because you broke it down the big events yet to happen. Are we getting a little insight into what the big event could be as de-dollaration is taking effect as we speak? This is going to be very um, odd for some people, uh, what I'm about to say. All of these, all of these countries are working together. No matter if they're on BRICS or off of or not the BRICS nations, they're all working together. Like America is not like losing any of its power. All you're going to see is that this globalist world order, which is a shared bloodline that goes back to Babylon, to Sumerian times, they just continue to prosper and live like the royalty amongst the peasants. They don't work for their wages. They just extract whatever they need through taxes and uh, they print the money too. So not only do they take your taxes, they also print money. Now, I just want people to understand this because when they learn about BRICS, they're going to think that these nations are somehow trying to get away from the dirty, nasty dollar. Guess what? United States is on this team too. Just because they're not shaking hands in that picture doesn't mean that they're not involved in the big plan. The big plan is to move the, the whole world onto a digital one world banking infrastructure. Like that was the whole purpose of the Federal Reserve back in 1913, and it's done its job up till now. So I just want people to realize like this is an elite globalist agenda. It has it's not like the de-dollarization is what we've been like. I know a lot of people are gonna start to throw this word around. A lot of people are gonna think that, you know, a lot of people are gonna think that it's gonna be like America's losing, but just remember, like America is part of that royal. Uh, power alliance that is with Denmark, that is with Russia, that is with Korea, both South and North Korea. Like at the end of the day, this is about bloodlines that run the world. It's not about flags and the names of countries. The flag and the name of the country is to distract you from what's really going on so that you keep getting your taxes taken from you to essentially fund pedophiles. <laughs> like that's why the whole world is working the way it does. So I know this is like it's a big clear pill for a lot of people because of the BRICS thing happening and people thinking that the U.S. economy is going to go to shit and them thinking that USA is going to lose like their power amongst this whole regime. But I don't feel that way at all. I feel like America will be fine. Um, everything will be OK. And uh, what people need to worry about most is actually creating something, you know, like people are a little worried right now about the dollar. Uh, and it's the same talking heads who've been coming out telling you the dollar's going to crash and that gold is going to go to $4,000 every single week for the past fucking five years. It's the same talking heads. So doesn't it kind of sound like Peter Schiff, like when he talks about the Peter Schiff has been calling the market crash every week since he was born. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, sure. When yeah, he was right. when. The first words that came out of his mouth when he was a baby wasn't even mama. Like it was, it was like market crash. It was market crash. <laughs> yeah. Was like when he was crash. when when he was done breastfeeding, the first thing he said was, I want a market crash. 
So this is this is what people need to this is what people need to get. People need to get this because I I really really feel like whenever these sorts of uh, articles come out, it's gonna it's gonna drill in bias and and support the same person who's the person that like wants the dollar to go away or they think that it's you know i i do um plan to come out with a decode in the future because i just released a decode called world reserve decoded uh i know you guys are aware of it um it's over on my patreon the world reserve decoded was really going over dates of the past and i haven't yet to talk about the dutch I've yet to talk about that whole time frame, like, you know, tulip mania and early European settlement and all the shit going on with the Knights Templar and the Teutonic Why? Knights and the Knights of Malta. You know like it's, it's so crazy. On Friday, we talked about this. We discussed oh, yeah? with Mark. Oh yeah. This exact topic, because we know the bloodlines that came out of there and we actually had a really good discussion. And Yusko taught us so much. I went back and watched the episode. He informed me on things that I had no idea about, but Johnny, yeah. Can you, can you guys send me the link to that? Uh, when you get a chance, I would love to hear somebody's perspective. Cause I haven't gone out of my way to do my own research, but I know about that whole like reign of power over the financial sector with the Dutch and how it, you know, transitioned into the British and transitioned into the, into the USA. Oh, yeah. Anywho, um, we should probably wrap up pretty soon guys. Cause I have another meeting yeah. coming up. Johnny already told me, guys, we got 559 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Waters. Thank you to Johnny. And thank you to Mario for another amazing episode. Waters, I look forward again to collaborating soon. But, guys, we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Waters. Let's go. Appreciate you guys. Much love.